It's good to be here this morning. We are in the second part of our series called Fruit of the Spirit. And this morning we'll be talking about the fruit of joy, the fruit of joy. How many of us need some joy this morning that only the Lord can provide? Last week we talked about love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And we talked about how we make 35,000 decisions every day. As adults, we make 35,000 decisions on average. Crazy, isn't it? Wrap your mind around that. But there's one question, one decision that is the most important of all that impacts all the other decisions. Wouldn't that be great if we just had one decision that would impact the rest of the other decisions? And that is, am I living God's way or my way? Am I living God's way or my way? Am I seeking to please myself or am I seeking to please God? And every decision we make is like a seed that we plant. Think of it that way. Every decision is like a seed that we plant. And the truth is, the seeds we plant today will produce a life of fruit tomorrow. The seeds we plant today will produce a life of fruit tomorrow. But more important than the decisions we make is the person we're becoming. See, right here in this moment, as you look in the mirror, you are the product of all the decisions, all the seeds that you've planted up to this point, right? The seeds you planted yesterday are producing who you are today. What you decide is tied to who you are and who you're becoming. So how important is it to make the right decision, to choose to live God's way as opposed to our way? Because the seeds we plant today will produce fruit tomorrow. And there's two kinds of seeds that we can plant. The first seed we can plant, if you remember, by the way, I'm just recapping last week. If you're jumping into this movie partway through, I'm just catching you up, right? So last week, we talked about how we can plant a seed of faith. Difficult decisions. Anybody have dif difficult decisions uh, on your plate right now? We all have decision fatigue. Sometimes we make a decision, we plant a seed of fear, meaning we respond with doubt. We respond uh, with, with the decision that, has to do about our own, our own convenience, our own comfort level, what makes us feel safe. And we can plant a seed of fear, which leads to uh, disunity in our family. It leads to a stinking thinking, I called it last week, that mental, emotional garbage that fills up our brains, right? We want to produce the fruit, not of the flesh, which is what happens when we plant seeds of fear. We want to produce fruit of the spirit, right? We want the good stuff. So every decision we make is like a seed that will produce some fruit. And as a reminder, Galatians 5.22, Paul says this. He says, but the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And how many of us want that, Right? We want that fruit. And by the way, the fruit, the word here is karpos. As a review, uh, it's a singular word in the Greek. Singular. So it's not fruits of the Spirit. When we are walking in step with the Spirit, last week we had a little beat up here and I was walking in step with the Spirit. When we're so focused on Jesus, we start living like him, right? We're in step with the Spirit and we start producing all of this fruit, and it's an all-access pass, right? It's an all-access pass to all of who God is, all of who God is 
uh, can be in us and through us. All the fruit of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, all the good stuff. It's like God is standing at our doorstep and he's knocking at our door and he's saying, all this fruit is available to you. If you choose to live my way as opposed to your way. If you choose to plant seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear. This past uh, week, Lindsay and I celebrated 16 years of marriage. 16 years of marriage. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really great night. We got a babysitter, left our kids at home. We went out to a new restaurant over there called The Porch. Some of you have been over there near the water. The sun was setting over the water. It was perfect temperature. But we had to wait an hour and 45 minutes because that's, uh, uh, that's what happens in a new restaurant. But we had a patio, and we had a couch, and we had some appetizers, so it was great. We got a table, and we were able to talk about life and God and our family and just how things are going, reflecting on this last year. Uh, we talked about you all and how grateful we are for you welcoming us with open arms uh, as a new family here, so thank you. And, and we had a great time together. It was one of those nights that was just like utopian. It was like heavenly. All the stars were in line. It was uh, just a great night together celebrating our anniversary and what God's been doing in our lives and our family. If only we could just live there all the time, right? I mean, how many of us have had those moments? Maybe we're walking on the beach. Maybe we're around family and friends. Just those moments you want to put in your pocket and store away for later. We've got some students over here fresh off a great week at Big Stuff in Florida. Praising God. Yeah. I was just talking to Zach earlier, and he's like glowing. It's not just his hair that he dyed, but it's actually Holy Spirit. God's doing a great work in his life. But if only we could live on top of the mountain all of our lives, right? But we've got to come back down from the mountain, and the real growth takes place in the valley. Everyday circumstances where we can choose to follow God, even in the midst of temptation, even in the midst of trial and storms. Um, so... The, the, the truth is we are come through these doors and a crowd this size, you've got doubts, you've got fears, you've got shame, you've got baggage, you've got burdens that you're carrying, you've got uh, finances that you're worried about, you've got a relationship that is broken that you're trying to mend and reconcile. Um, maybe it's within your marriage or at work. Maybe you're in between jobs trying to figure out what God's going to do next, how God's going to provide for you. Maybe it's your health. Whatever it is, whatever you bring through these doors this morning, we have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice to trust God, the unchanging character of God, or we're going to lean on circumstances. Because happiness, the reality is that happiness depends on happenings. We all know happenings change, just like the weather. It's, it changes. Snap your fingers, right? And so it's this ebb and flow, this up and down life that we get caught up in. But I'm telling you today that God has something more constant, more permanent, more sustainable. And that is his joy. His joy is available to all of us. May we stop trying to be happy. Because <laughs> that depends on circumstances. We can't trust those. What we've got to depend on is the permanent lasting joy of God, and he wants to fill us with that today. So how do we get that? How do we get that? Well, let's talk about what joy really means in this verse, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy. Joy comes on the heels of love. It's kind of in the same breath. It's like, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy. It might as well be one word. Listen to this. In the Greek, the word joy is kara. Kara. Maybe you have a friend named Kara. Tell her that her, her name means joy. Kara is an awareness of God's grace. And grace in the Greek is charis. You see the similarities there between the two words, kara and charis. Kara is a response to charis. Joy is a response to grace. Joy is a response to being loved. And last week, my friend Jim was up here and he talked about agape love. It's this never stopping, never ending, always and forever, never breaking love that we want from others, right? Being fully known and fully loved. And we, most of all, want it from God. And that's what he gives us through Christ. And the response to that is what? It's kara. It's joy. And so no, no wonder joy comes on the heels of love, as Paul talks about it here in Galatians 5. They're joined at the hip. They're one and the same. They're, they're in the same family. I mean, how many of us have experienced the, the, the forgiving, accepting, new mercies, fresh slate, clean start from God? I mean, he says, he says that his, his faithfulness is never ending. When you wake up each day, no matter what you did the previous day, you've got a clean slate. The past is in the past. God looks past your past, and he gives you hope for that day and for your future. That's what the cross is all about. He blotted out our transgressions with his blood, and he gives us a fresh start. I mean, how many of you just, just are filled with joy because of that truth? No matter how long you've been a Christian, that never should get old. You should never grow numb to that. So that's the heart of joy, is an awareness of grace, an awareness of this agape love. Another way to put it is, Joy is a supernatural delight in the person, promises, and presence of God. I love things that start with the same letter. It's more memorable. Joy is a supernatural delight. So it's a little bit of natural, a little bit of super, right? To rejoice is a choice in the midst of that battle, in the midst of that difficult decision. Choose joy, right? It takes two to tango. We're not robots. God doesn't control our actions, we've got a choice what seed we're going to plant. All right, I'm going to choose joy. But you know what? There's a little bit of super along with that, right? As we're walking with the Spirit, he can give us strength in that moment to choose joy no matter what we're facing. So joy is a supernatural delight that just wells up, boils up inside of us, and then it just overflows, overflows. And it becomes not just an internal reality, but it, but it becomes an external expression. It's trusting who God is, no matter what is going on. And it becomes so real and so raw inside of us that it just boils over. You know, I think a great picture of this fruit of joy is found in the book of Acts. I mean, I, I think if you were to ask me what time in the history of mankind would you like to have experienced, I would say the early church. I know it's kind of a pastor thing to say, but the early church is when people were hearing the gospel for the very first time. Remember that time you heard about Jesus for the first time? You were filled with awe and curiosity and wonder, and that's what happened back in the day in the early church. There were hundreds and hundreds of people that received Christ 
uh, chose to get baptized. And there was this, this on-fire spirit that just spread like wildfire. And so the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, the, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they were set on fire by the Holy Spirit, and they were going out and making disciples and baptizing people. But the book of Acts, I would say, is also the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through these people. And we're seeing the fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit throughout uh, the book of Acts. So there's a great picture of this in Acts chapter 16, 22 through 24, uh, what does joy look like in the middle of our storm? What does joy look like in mundane circumstances in life? How do we choose joy in the middle of our disappointment and discouragement? Well, there's a great picture of that found in Acts chapter 16. Two guys, Paul and Silas, maybe you've heard this story. These two guys, Paul and Silas, were set on fire by the Holy Spirit and they were going out to the nations are proclaiming the good news, the gospel. And this is what happened to them. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So that, that was his responsibility. Take note of that. The jailer put them into the inner dungeon. Dun, dun, dun and clamp their feet in the stocks. So this one you thought you had a bad day last week? Imagine these guys, right? Like they're going a full head of steam, serving God and taking risks and stepping out in faith, and all of a sudden, persecution. All of a sudden, beaten, isolated, mocked, spat on, left for dead, treated like animals. They were thrown into the dungeon. I mean, how many of us have experienced, maybe not that extent of trial, but we've experienced a storm. We've experienced a difficult time in life, and like I said, we've got a choice to make. These guys had a choice to be bitter or better. They had a choice to trust their feelings or to trust the facts. They had a choice to trust their circumstances, to prop up their faith against changing circumstances, or to prop up their faith and ground it in the unchanging character of the love of God in their life. Hebrews 13.8 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, how many of us are just craving something that is constant and fixed like a star? I mean, happiness is, is trusting in a lightning bolt. It's quick, it's violent, it may, get, may charge you up for a second, but then it's fleeting. It leaves you empty and unfulfilled seconds later, right? We need a north star. We need something that is constant and fixed and permanent and lasting in the midst of this, all this changing culture and world. And that's what God provides us. And these guys, Paul and Silas, had hit rock bottom. What were they going to do? And I believe that in that crucial moment of decision, it's almost like we've already made the decision, depending on the seeds we planted up to that point, right? When we're in the pressure cooker, we're easily going to be swayed by our feelings. And so these guys, I feel like, had already made a decision, right? They were prepared for that moment. They were armed for battle. And we see what happens. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Let's stop right there. Let that marinate for a second. Oh, my goodness. The lights in the dashboard should be going off right now. I mean, 
amazing response. They sang hymns to God. They sang at midnight in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of being in prison. They sang to God and they prayed to God. Wow. They raised a hallelujah in the presence of their enemies. Just like we just sang. And the other prisoners were listening. As followers of Jesus, we live in a fishbowl. And we have an opportunity not to be fake and in the middle of our storm say, oh, everything's great, praise the Lord, kumbaya. We can be real and say, you know what, it's really hard. David's a great example of this in the Psalms. He says, man, God, this is really hard, this is difficult, this is challenging. But halfway through those lament Psalms, you know what he does? He turns back to God. And he says, but God, I know you're, I know you're good, I know you're faithful, I know you got my back. We can struggle well with life. And that's what these guys did. They turned towards God in the middle of their disappointment and discouragement. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that scene? Their weapon was their melody, just like we just sang in that song by Bethel. Their weapon was their melody. When life didn't feel good, they still trusted that God was good. And they sang a song to God, and God broke through, and the chains fell off every prisoner. See, in that moment, they glorified God. See, when we choose joy, it glorifies God. God smiles upon us. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And by the way, whatever you're feeling in the midst of that pain and disappointment, difficulty, it's okay. I want to validate that. It's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. As followers of Christ, we have a bigger hope and a bigger story that God has swept us into. It's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. So whatever you're experiencing, maybe I haven't even touched it this morning. You're sitting there like, Heath, you know, nice words you're telling to me right now. Easy for you to say up on that stool. You don't know what I've gone through. You, know, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I don't. You're right. I have no idea what you brought through these doors this morning. But what I do know is the truth, and that is that God loves you, and he is with you, and he is for you, and that you are loved by him. And he has you in the palm of your hand. And he is close, he is close to the brokenhearted. He has you in his hand and he is with you, no matter what you're going through. So joy is for God, it glorifies him and we choose to follow him in the midst of trial. And Psalm 28, 7 says that his joy is our strength. God's joy is our strength. When we choose his joy and receive his joy, we get stronger. And heaven invades the earth in that moment. And that's what happened. Massive earthquake, prison was shaking its foundation. Let's keep reading. The jailer woke up. I would wake up too if there was an earthquake. He saw the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. He had remorse. He had guilt. He had shame because he had, he had failed. He had one job. But Paul shouted to him, and Paul said, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. 
And this guy, I'm sure, was dumbfounded. He assumed that all the prisoners had escaped. And here's his enemy, Paul, saying, don't kill yourself. Paul saved this guy's life. You know what those, that jailer had experienced? He had experienced some charis. He had experienced some grace, some agape love. And he was filled with joy, and he couldn't believe it. He tasted the fruit that Paul and Silas had in their lives. Let's keep reading verse 29. The jailer called for lights. Listen to his response. He ran to the dungeon, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who live in his household. So the jailer repented of his sins and he, he was saved because of what he had witnessed, because of the joy and love that he had witnessed in Paul and Silas' life. And the rest of his household was saved. Your mess can be a message. Your task can be a testimony. I mean, I wish there was some other way that God could grow us. Amen? But our adversity is his university. That's how he grows us. That's how he chiseled us and shapes us and molds us into who he is. It's like that refiner's fire, right? In order for gold to, uh, to, uh, to, to be, in order for the purity of gold to, to rise to the surface, it has to undergo heat and pressure. Those, purity, those impurities need to be cast out. And we, we become gold, we become treasure and valued in God's eyes. The refiner's fire, that pressure, that test, God molds us and shapes us into who he wants us to be. I love this. They shared the word of the Lord with this guy. I, mean, I, I get hangry when I don't have food. Anybody else out there? Lindsay keeps snacks in her purse, not for the kids, but for me. It's crazy. It's funny. So without the word... Without the word of the Lord, we get hungry. Give us our daily bread. That should be our, our plea every day. And these guy, this guy and his household started to get fed with the word of the Lord, and they were, uh, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, abiding in God, that word we talked about last week means remaining in God. It means making Jesus our home. It, it's connecting to that true vine. And so you've got to get into the word. Download that version app and start a plan. Invite your friends to jump into that plan with you. Take in God's word because after a while, that word will just come out into your life and you'll start bearing fruit. It's hard to be joyful when you're hungry. Verse 33, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. This response is amazing. His life is transformed. And he washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized he brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. By the way, we have baptisms coming up the first Sunday of August. We'll go out to the oceanfront, and we'll, last summer, I think we had 60, 70 people get baptized. It's this outward display of an inward reality. Maybe you were baptized when you were a kid, but now as an adult, you want to put a stake in the ground, draw a line in the sand, and say, this is who I am, God. This is who I am. Uh, you have created me to be a follower of you. I just want to encourage you to take that step if you've never taken that step. I heard there were some kids, some students who got baptized this past week down in Florida. Awesome. Awesome. 
our joy can be a witness of the love of Jesus. There are people around us that are listening and watching, and we have an opportunity to extend the love of, joy, the love of Jesus to them. We have, a, we have an opportunity to show them who God is in the middle of our disappointment and discouragement. James 1 says, take joy in your trials because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It makes you more mature and more complete. Don't miss out on growth because, because you're wallowing your disappointment. A few years ago, Lindsay and I found ourselves, I've shared this before, but we found ourselves in, in Peru, distant country, foreign land, foreign culture. We were there on a mission trip with a bunch of students, and we found ourselves in a hospital hitting rock bottom because we had lost another baby. We experienced another miscarriage. And I remember just crying out to God, saying, God, why? Why? We've been living a good life, following you, doing the right thing, but God, why, why, why are you allowing this to happen? Before we know it, we were frustrated and discouraged and deflated and just doubting and full of fear. You know, we're thankful today. We're blessed to have three healthy, strong kids. But, but man, that was, that was so difficult. And we found ourselves a couple of years later living in our friend's basement. I just lost a job. And door after door after door was closed. And just wondering, God, what's happening? What's going on? But in the middle of all that, there were moments of just sweetness and intimacy with God where God said, Heath, I love you and I'm for you and I've got your back. And there were people that, that were asking me how I was doing. And, and I was honest. I was saying, you know, this is really hard. This is difficult. But I kept hearing God's whisper saying, this is an opportunity. This is a chance for you to show them something different, Heath. I said, but you know what? I know that God is good. Life doesn't feel good right now, but I know that God is good. His faith, he's faithful. And he's with us in the middle of this. God has given us the opportunity every day to show the world something different. Don't miss out on that opportunity. You know, I told you last week that I'd be texting you or calling you randomly and saying, hey, would you come up here and share what a particular fruit means to you? And so this week, uh, we have the privilege and honor of hearing from one of our own. Uh, her name is Christy Allen. Let's welcome Christy. You may have seen Christy greet you at the doors. Uh, she is a faithful servant here at Spring Ranch and an usher and involved in other, in other ways uh, in, in, in the community. So thanks for coming up. Thanks for and, having me. And uh, sharing what joy means to you. We had a coffee the other day. You shared a little bit about your journey. Uh, a few years ago, you experienced some loss, some tragedy within your family. Tell us about that and just what that felt like and, yeah. and how you're able to choose joy middle of that. Absolutely. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, as Heath mentioned, um, this was uh, right after I turned 30, the, the years following turning 30. Um, I lost my mom, my grandmother, and then my sister. Um, they all passed away in a, in a three-year period. And um, wow, that's, that's yeah. not something I could ever expect or or um, know how to handle on my own um, yes I went through a lot of a lot of grief a lot of crying um, and people sort of expected me to be angry with God but I wasn't 
I wasn't angry with God. I mean, honestly, the only way I survived was having God in my life. Um, and, and so what, you know, in reflecting and talking to Heath, I really just had to make that choice of, um, with my mom especially, just being blessed that I had 33, 30 years with my mom. Um, what a blessing to have her in my life for that long. And she really raised me in the church. Um, I was the kid that could wait to get to church on Wednesday nights and, uh, and learn more. Um, so really just making that choice um, to reflect on, on what um, I was blessed with and uh, really to talk about her and share her story and the story of my, my sister and my grandmother. Um, uh, that helps me to be a witness. And Heath, I said to Heath, I cried when he asked me to talk about joy. Um, but Heath said we have uh, tears uh, through joy. Is that what you said? Joy, joy brings us to tears. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's um, a huge part of your journey. And, um, I, you know, there's some people you can just tell that they've been through something, you know, because they've got that, that strong character, just that pure love for people and God about them. And uh, I can tell that God has refined you through the years and you it's just amazing, despite the difficulty, how you cho chose joy in that. And I, I love your heart to serve. Tell us about how serving uh, connects us with God and with, with, with that joy that we've been talking about. Sure, sure. And I think before I answer that, I, I should say that, you know, there have been times I've been serving at the church for 10 years, maybe, um, but I didn't always feel like I was worthy to be, to be in any sort of ministry leadership position. Um, because I felt myself always asking for forgiveness. Um, but then one day I heard a message and I realized you don't have to keep asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over. You know, that's done. I've asked for forgiveness, mm. God's forgiven me. So now I can just move on and have joy. And so, you know, my joy is by uh, serving along other side, alongside people in the church that, you know, none of us are perfect. I've met so many amazing people that are on different, um, different steps in their journey to God. And we're just all sort of, we come here broken and we're all uh, a big family. So serving for me, um, you know, I get to serve others, but I'm really served by the people um, that come through these doors and um, that share their story with me. Awesome. Uh, if, if you guys need a smile, if you don't have one, Christy will give you one she's got a beautiful one. Uh, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, one word of challenge, one word of challenge that you give us before, before you go. Well, my challenge really is that, that just smile, just make eye contact with somebody. Um, you know, I, I know what it's like to walk through these doors or to go to your office place of work and, and you're hurting, but just make eye contact and smile at somebody. It could change their mm. day more than, more than you know. Wow. That's awesome, yeah. Well, whether you're at the coffee shop or a grocery store or wherever you are, it's an opportunity to, to, to spread the love of joy, uh, the love of Jesus and joy uh, together. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks, thanks, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is joy. This is our joy. This is the joy that Christy was just talking about. Here it is. This is our joy. But something happens. Something happens to us 
We started out fixing our eyes on Jesus, and we changed our concentration. We got distracted, we got frustrated, we got discouraged, we got disappointed, and we allowed our circumstances to control us. We allowed our circumstances to, to distract us from who God is and who he wants us to be. And we get down and we get depressed and we start complaining. And before we know it, we planted seeds of fear that have led to fruit, the kind of fruit we don't want. And here we are. So what do we do? Maybe some of us look like this today. So what do we do? As followers of Jesus, how do we respond to this? What's happened to our joy? Well, there's only one thing to do. There's only one thing to do when this happens, and that is to look to the cross. That is to look to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says in John 15, verse 11. He says this. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I mean, let that sink in for a second. Jesus' joy can become our joy. No matter how messed up we are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, no matter what we're experiencing, there's something bigger and better. We just need to turn our eyes to Jesus because Jesus can generate the joy and Jesus can fill us with his joy. And Jesus and his joy can make us overflow. And look what happens. He takes out the bad and replaces it with all that is good. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He purifies us with his love and his grace. And look what happens. I mean, who's thankful to God today for what he can do in our lives no matter what we are experiencing? Jesus, his joy can fill us, and we're overflowing. It's endless. It's never ending. He can provide us with strength when you are weak. No matter what's going on in your finances, no matter what's going on in your relationships, with your job and your family, with your health, you can rest assured that his love and his joy will overflow in your life if you just trust him. God's got it. God's got your back. Just trust him, and he will overflow your life with all the good stuff. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can raise a hallelujah in the middle of our prison, in the middle of our storm, in the middle of our crazy, messed up situation, in the middle of our test, God, in the middle of what hurts, we can trust you that you are bigger. We just gotta change our concentration. We gotta fix our eyes firmly on you and on the cross because it was joy that kept you on the cross, Jesus. The perfect substitute, the simple lamb. You laid down your life for us on the cross. You took us off the hook and you put yourself 
on the hook. You took our place when we deserved death because of our sin. You gave us life, life to the full, life to the abundance, life eternal with you in heaven. God, you've given us charis. You've given us amazing grace and how sweet the sound. We messed up, we screwed up, we fell, we stumbled, but you reached out to us and lifted us up. And you purify us, God, with your love and your joy. God, thank you that no matter what is happening in our life, we know that you've got our back and that you can fill us with your joy, fill us with your spirit to the brim, to overflowing. This week, God, may we not live another week apart from your spirit, apart from your joy and your love and who you are. God, may we walk and step with the Spirit this week. And may love and joy be an instinct. In the middle of that difficult situation, may we raise a hallelujah. May we shine a bright light in the middle of our world so that others will be saved, so that others will believe, so that others will demand an explanation. God, life is too short. Eternity is so long. May we have a sense of urgency every day to proclaim your good news, your love to people around us. Overflow us with your spirit. Use us this week, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing it together. Let's sing this closing song and let's raise a hallelujah together.